Today we're going to finish up the book of Galatians. And as I was reading through and thinking through, the thought just happened to occur to me right now that we should pray. So, God, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you that you've caused it to be written. I want to thank you that every letter on every page is life to your people. God, I just ask that you would continue to reveal the things that you need to show us in our own lives, in our community, and even in the world, Lord, where we can come alongside you where you're working and join you in that. Lord, this morning I ask that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Every person has limitations. Now, I know looking at me, you might say, oh, nay, nay, Dennis doesn't have any limitations at all. But yes, even I have experienced limitations. I think one of the biggest ones that we experience is these bodies. I mean, you got to feed them all the time. You got you to gotta take naps. Have to take, naps are God's way of saying, I love you, and he wants you to be happy, okay? They're wasted on children. Adults need naps, power naps, 20 minutes, feet on, the, on your desk. Amazing. Anyway, I digress. So, so you, you got to take naps. We're, we're susceptible to the, to, the, to the elements, you know, where we get cold, and, you know, we get rainy, and we catch colds, and we get sick, and all of these things. And, and then, you know, just add in a sprinkling of this thing that we call old age. Getting older, you don't feel the limitations of your body more than as you get older. You know, sometimes my aches and pains have aches and pains. And I have, I have two words for you. Advil. It can be your friend. In none of that, you, you know, the suggested dose, it's a suggestion. Okay? Three, four, sometimes you got to kick down five just to kind of come even and not be grumpy during the day. I watch, I watch my son, Ethan, he plays lacrosse, and it's a pretty physical game, and he's pretty good at it, so he's pretty physical, and he'll be running, and he'll take a fall, he'll take a hit, and he'll hit the ground, and most times, if he's not milking it, he'll bounce right back up again, and he'll, he'll continue to run, and, and, I, and I sit there, and I go, man, like, if, if that was me, I would need an entire week, three trips to the chiropractor, I'm sure, an entire bottle of Advil. That's if and only if I was able to limp myself to the car and drive home. But the only, the only, um, the only solace I have in that whole thing is that someday he's going to be my age and he's going to feel the same things that I'm feeling right now and he's going to think the same thing about his kids. And so we all suffer. I don't know if suffer is the right word, but we all have these limitations on ourselves. And then let's, let's just add other things. We all have to work. Well, obviously, at least in this community, nobody gets a Lexus here for Mother's Day. And so we all have jobs. We have to work. We have to pay the bills. And most of us, most of us pay our taxes on time. And, and so we have the limitations of, of those things. And, and, we, and we have to obey the, the restrictions, though good restrictions, but restrictions all the same of things like laws. And we, and we have to make sure that we don't speed and we come to a full stop at the stop sign and not just kind of roll through. And yellow doesn't mean speed up. It means slow down. You know, all of these things that just kind of put limitations around us. Over and over again, we see that there are limits and restrictions in this life. But within all of them, within everything, we can live free 
in Jesus Christ. We have freedom in Jesus Christ. See, freedom for the Jesus follower is not just a word. It's not just an idea. It's the center of who we are. It's the center of our reality. And people who live in that freedom live in faith in Jesus, live in faith God. And there's a certain freedom that just goes beyond what the world offers. Some philosophies will say that freedom is really just a, an ideal that we're never going to really get to. It's just a big farce. And, and that things happen because they're the reaction of, of other things that have happened. So what has happened is based on something that's happened before. Or they might say that what's happening is just based on some type of natural laws that are taking place within the world, within whatever situation that you find yourself in. It's actually, it's actually called determinism. And we see people kind of living like that in, in our culture. People that are just reacting to whatever life seems to be throwing at them. They're always in this reaction mode. They never seem to be very proactive. It's always just reactive. You have people who are just going to buy whatever the TV commercials tell them to buy, whatever the celebrity endorsement tells them to buy. They're going to buy that because they almost don't want to or seem to think for themselves. Or they're told how to think or what to think by some of the more stronger personalities that we have in our world, like Dr. Drew, Dr. Phil, Oprah. Even, I think we can even put Ellen into that group. You don't like Ellen? I kind of like Ellen. Anyway, I digress. So, but there are people that don't roll that way. There are people that don't get caught up in all of those things, all of those philosophies, all the things that the celebrities say and all of the, the self-help gurus. They are people that not only believe that freedom exists, but they live and they walk in it. Because their freedom is not based upon the world. Their freedom is found in Jesus Christ. Their freedom is not based upon something that's manufactured, some self-help book, some guy speaking to them through the TV. Their freedom is found in God through Jesus Christ. And that's a complete freedom, man. That's, that's holistic. That's emotional. That's physical. That's spiritual. That encompasses everything. That's the freedom that we're talking about. And the symbol of that freedom is nothing else than the cross of Jesus Christ. And as we end the book of Galatians, Paul is going to use the cross of Jesus as kind of the, the exclamation point for freedom. And so we're going to read verses, uh, chapter 6, verses 11 through 18, and then we're just going to jump into it. We're going to check out, uh, we're going to kind of pick through this a little bit, but I'm gonna, I want you to get the whole picture towards the end of the letter here. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel, to the Israel of God. 
From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. This is the end of the book of Galatians for Paul. But we want to we spend our time kind of in verses 14 to the end. Now look what it says in verse 14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we got to stop right there. Living in freedom, Jesus' freedom, God' freedom is about abundant life. It's about the abundant life that Jesus said he has come to give us. Life in abundance. And so it's about passion and it's about purpose. It's, it's, it's God purpose for your lives. It's, it's this God passion for our lives. It's new and it's exciting. Even the mundane, the mundane everyday things could hold meaning and reflect the holiness of God in your life. But what's interesting to me is Paul's words here. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't boast in the freedom that he has in Jesus. He doesn't boast in the freedom that he has because of Jesus. He boasts in Jesus and his cross. Okay, just in case you don't know, the cross is about being crucified, where they nail you to this, to something like this, and they put nails into your hands, nails into your feet, and they kill you on that. That doesn't seem like freedom to me. But this is what Paul will boast in. Crucifixion, it's, it's about people kind of pushing and shoving and grabbing for their piece of the pie in this world. It's about people trying to get their own way, wanting to get their own way, and making sure nothing gets in their way when they want their own way. And they're going to do whatever they have to do to make sure that they get it. Maybe even cause death. The crucifixion is the culmination of religion meets selfishness meets arrogance meets human brokenness. Everything that's wrong in our world, everything that's broken in our world has led to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the cross. But there's something more that's going on. There's something beautiful in the horrible. There's something life-giving in the death that the cross represents. Jesus, who is God with us, came into this world to live with us. Jesus, who is God, came into this world to live with us as one of us. As one of us. Jesus got hungry, got tired, got blisters. Jesus grew in age, and I'm sure the aches and pains of first century living wore on his human body. Jesus came to this earth as God, but to live as one of us with us. A world where sometimes it seems more wrong happens than right. But the crucifixion is God taking part in the brokenness of this world, redeeming it from the inside out. Not by waving some magic wand to his, not by, not by standing on the outside trying to fix it, keeping his hands clean. God came and got his hands dirty for us. It was his plan all along. 
his plan of redemption, that he would send his one and only son. You see, here's evil only wins when it causes a person to repay evil for evil. You tracking with that? Evil only wins when it causes someone to repay evil for evil. And almost like it breathes life into evil. It takes on a life of its own. The person who stands firm and refuses to pay back evil, it's that person that evil has no control over. And isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus never repaid evil for evil. He took it. If we, maybe we could say he absorbed it until finally this whole thing, all this brokenness, all of this evilness ran its course and it couldn't do anything to him anymore. It, it finished with his crucifixion on the cross. Nothing more could be done. And he never repaid evil for evil, but only gave blessing. And as Paul writes this, and I'm thinking through this, i got to think that there's so much more that he can boast in about Jesus. I mean, he was the Lord of all of creation. There's a story in the Bible, right? The boys are on the boat, and Jesus is he's crashed out in the front of the boat, and this storm kicks up. And, the, and these, these seasoned fishermen are freaking out. They think they're going to drown. And they're, they're running around. The storm is raging. They're, they're raging. They're looking at Jesus, and he's just crashed hard and they're like look at this guy he's sleeping and they wake him up and they're like don't you care we're gonna die and jesus is like oh man he gets up he looks out over the storm and says be quiet and the storm goes away that's just cool right there what about the little girl lazarus he rose he he, he rose them from he called lazarus from the grave come forth after three days come out of there He's the Lord over death. How many people did he heal? He, blind people, deaf people, people who couldn't walk, leprosy. He drove out demons. Demons fear. In fact, early off, the demons were the only ones who knew who he was. All of the physical, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Everything physical, and everything spiritual answered to Jesus Christ. All forces were subject to him. And Paul will not boast in any of it except the cross of Jesus Christ. Because the cross is the very place where God, through Jesus, entered into our everyday junk into our everyday brokenness. It's the place where, where good kind of meets bad, where light wrestles darkness for control. It's the place where, where hope and despair kind of kind of take up the same moment sometimes. God, through Jesus, entered into that place. The place where we all start with the best of intentions, but we seem to give up way too quickly and just way too easily. Paul boasts about a God who came into this world and all of its ugliness and meanness and darkness and confusion, God came into this world and He proclaimed once and for all, I win. That's the God that Paul boasts in. And he continues on. 
May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It's an interesting idea that that he's wrestling with because I believe that Paul is saying that the meaning of his own life is found also in the cross. Found also in this symbol of God coming into the world, into all the brokenness and say, guess what? I am God and I win. Paul doesn't just write about freedom. Paul lives freedom. And he didn't get free by making all the right moral choices and kind of pushing against a culture that pushed against him. He didn't get his freedom from from his, his superior education taught by the leading scholars of his day. He didn't get his freedom by just retreating into a monastic life and just keeping away from the influences of the world. That's not how he found his freedom. He had freedom when he was in jail. He spent a lot of time in jail. He had freedom when he was shipwrecked. He had freedom when he was being beaten and whipped. He lived freely when people came against him and wanted to argue with him about faith and theology and philosophy. He never ran from a challenge or a difficult situation, and his life was filled with them. But yet he continued to live free. He never, at least not in the scriptures that I read, did Paul ever take the easy way out. Never took the easy way. In fact, I, I, think, I think if the world would define his life, they would say, first of all, he was crazy. And that this guy didn't live free at all. You're not free in jail. But yet Paul lived, breathed, walked in freedom. And he finds it, and that freedom finds him on the cross of Jesus Christ where the world has been crucified to him. The world to Paul doesn't matter anymore. Not in the sense, I don't care about people, I don't care. Just just all of the luxuries and all of the things that we could have, it just didn't, he didn't, didn't care about them. What he cared about was, was living his life in the freedom that the cross gave him and to share the gospel with others, that Jesus would be glorified where the world was crucified to him and he was crucified to the world. Because, here's the kicker, to be free is about what God is doing. Not what you get to do. To be free is about what God is doing. Let me do my best. And when my best comes up short, and it will eventually I can watch and see what God does. Let me fail at my worst. And I know that God can step in and do what only God can do. Let the world try to do its best for whatever it thinks its best is. And when it's not enough, we can let God step in and do what only God can do. And let the world come at you with all it's got and all of its ugliness and all of its hatred. And you do not have to fear because you live in the freedom of God being able to work. I'm making this up as I go along. 
You know, we have a symbol of a cross up here, and it's empty, except for the nice little routine that we hang on it. And the tomb is empty. We celebrate the empty tomb on Easter. And, and why do you think those things, I mean, why, why, why are these symbols, the empty tomb, the empty cross? It's a great question. Thank you for asking it. Because God is in the business. Okay, you ready for this? God is in the business of resurrection. God is in the business of bringing life out of what apparently looked like failure and or death. Jesus died. He rose from the dead. And in that, he set us free to do the same thing. We can die and be raised again to new life. And I ain't talking about when we put you in the ground, death. I'm talking about dying to our self. That we can die to our self and we ultimately become God's treasure, God's children. We belong to him. When we die to our self, our self-image our self-protection, our self-pleasures, our selfishness, our lives, which were God's anyway, our lives are handed back to him and he takes them and he makes something beautiful and different out of them. He breathes new life into them and he uses them for his plans and for his purposes. When we die to ourselves, God immediately, immediately causes the resurrection. In us. In us. We put away all of that junk. God immediately causes a resurrection in us. But it's not until we see ourselves through that death that we can take, take part in the ultimate expression freedom and that's resurrection freedom and it's not just about you being able to celebrate a couple things that went your way in your life Woohoo! this worked out for me today uh, it's not about you being able to forget like you know just forget the bad times and focus on the good times it's not about succeeding more than you're actually failing in something that's not what what, what resurrection freedom is about in fact, it has nothing to do what we can or what we can't do because it's not about us. It's all about what God has done and it's all about what God is doing and it's all about what God so desperately wants to do in his people. It's always been about God and not about us. It all comes down to, it all comes down to this. When I've tried my best and my best just isn't good enough, when I've done all that I can do and I can't do anymore and the thing just hasn't worked out the way I've planned or the way the world has planned, I in freedom can step back and allow God to come and work in me and around me. We can get a hold of that and do that as a community of faith. To allow God to come in and work within us and around us. When freedom matures, through faith, 
when freedom matures through faith, it doesn't pick or choose its battles. It doesn't just go the easy route, the easy way out. It doesn't ignore the tough questions and opt just to answer the easy ones. When freedom matures in faith, we can jump headfirst, headfirst into the brokenness of this world because we know that we jump with Jesus. And we come alongside him in the things that he is doing, and the changes that he, make, he wants to make without any fear, without any trepidation. We can even, we no longer even have to fear for our own lives like being dead because to be with Christ one day. <laughs> you know, I mean, I feel bad for the people who believe in reincarnation. I ain't coming back for another time around. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm done. I'm going to give it my best, but I want some glory. You know what I mean? I just want to kick back. I want to know what Shekinah really means. I want to know, like, I want to hear the angels sing and see if they're better than we are on the worship team. You know, I got a lot of questions. Why ticks? Really, God? What are you thinking? You, you know? Uh, I mean, that just seems like a waste of time. And it could be because of the fall. I don't know. But where was I? Um, let's just go to 15. I don't know. Um, Paul writes this, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. It's interesting that Paul uses these two words, circumcision and uncircumcision, because circumcision back then was much more than just the medical procedure that it is now. Circumcision meant that you were affiliated with a certain uh, religious community and you were circumcised in order to follow the rules and make sure that you would be accepted by God. And the uncircumcision or the uncircumcised were the mark of the rest of the worlds who decided that they weren't going to follow God. Maybe we can call those the pagans. They chose to live their lives away from God. So these, these two words actually reflect two different positions within the culture that Paul is writing to. One is about the group of religious people following the rules in order to make sure that God accepted them, make sure that they were doing what they had to do to get God to like them, to accept them. A life loaded down with, you have to, you have to follow these behaviors and you have to do these things or God is just not gonna like you. And then you have the other people, the, the non-Jewish or we'll say the pagans who decided that they just don't wanna live in any harmony with God at all. They would live. In fact, their philosophy, what was acceptable to them was, hey, whatever makes you happy. Go and do, serve whatever God you want, whatever God kind of fits your personality, whatever's going to make you happy. Maybe we can say that the rest of them were living, sowing to the flesh. Now, these two positions, they're still alive and well in our world today. There are people who, who live their lives very seriously, taking uh, a moral ideal as, as the ultimate way to live their life. And they take it very seriously. In fact, they try to get people to join their, their team or their program or their religion 
to live the moral life that they have chosen, they have decided to choose. That is the only way to get God to love you. And then those, there are those that believe that, hey man, I'm the priority and I'm going to live my life for me. Whatever makes me happy, as long as I'm not hurting anyone, as long as I'm not hurting anyone that I can actually see that I'm hurting, because that's really what it comes down to, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. And they both would say that they are living in freedom. But they're not, because they both exclude God from their life. They can't die to their self because it's the self that they, that's the only thing they know, and that's the only thing that they're putting their trust in. If we are living with God, then guess what? Rhetorical question. I'm glad you got that. Guess what? Being good or having fun, keeping the rules, breaking the rules, practicing religion or hanging out with the pagans, it counts for absolutely nothing. Nothing. What is important is the new creation that you have become in spite of yourself because of the grace and mercy of God through Jesus Christ. That's what is important. The work of the Holy Spirit transforming your life from his, by His grace and His mercy. That's what's important. And I love the way Paul ends this letter. <laughs> from now on, let no one cause me trouble. That's just like, leave me alone. I mean, that's what he's saying. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Paul, at this point, is done. He's done talking. He's done trying to explain it. He understands that they didn't quite get it and there's, trying to, there's people coming to Galatia and to the church and they're trying to teach them that circumcision was important and he's saying, no, 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 it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. That's the whole crux of this whole letter. But now he's come to the point where I am done. You should understand this by now. I'm done talking about this. Don't bother me anymore. For I bear my body marks Jesus. You know, just, just in case, again, if you didn't know, when you get nailed to one of those things, they use big nails. And those big nails leave big, big holes in your body. And when Jesus rose from the dead in the resurrection, he still had the marks of the cross in his hands, feet. Side. He showed his disciples. He let Thomas stick his fingers in there, which I got I to gotta admit, that's a little gross. I mean, I'd be like, I'm, take your word for it, Jesus, I'm good. Or, or maybe a stick at best, you know, like, ew. But Jesus, he, he gave, he, go ahead. Here are the marks of the crucifixion, the cross. And Paul would say, I have the marks, Jesus, on my body. Scars from being beaten from having rocks thrown at him, from being whipped, from being shipwrecked, from traveling for miles and miles and miles all for the sake of the gospel, from starving, from cold. Paul has the marks, the scars of the crucifixion on his body. But I would also say this, that those are the marks 
of a man who has walked in freedom. Those are the marks of a man who has walked and is living in this Jesus freedom, this this God freedom. Those are the marks of the resurrection. Living free is a very serious, intense, dangerous, beautiful, joyous thing. And I think what Paul is getting here, I believe what he's getting here is, let's stop talking about it and let's start living it. There's a great line in the movie Shawshank Redemption and they're sitting out in the yard and I don't know what one uh, says it, but the line is either get busy living or get busy dying. We can talk about God's freedom all that we want. Who cares? I could talk about a million dollars too, and guess what? I ain't got one. It, some. I don't even know what a million dollars is. How would it come? I don't know. Paul wants us to get busy dying to ourselves so that we can get busy living God's freedom. Lord, I want to thank you for this letter that you have you have saved for us. This, this church, 2012, in May, and that we can begin to understand what it means to be set free live and to move in that freedom. God, I pray that you would continue to teach us the lessons of living Jesus free. Even if we get lumped up, bruised along the way, we can still know the freedom of God through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Hey, I love you guys. I love the moms a little more today. And uh, we'll see you next week.